to Force and Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the endgame things in between. Episode 30! Woo! Yeah. Uh, as always, you're joined by your lovely hosts, John and Tone, and we are getting into that endgame business. Finally. So, uh, for all the horror fans out there, we are going to be jumping back into that next week, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of this episode. Yeah. But before we jump into in-game, I do want to give a little disclaimer, I guess, and there's no way that we're going to be able to thoroughly talk about this movie without spoilers. Yeah, I would say almost that if there are even some MCU movies that you're not caught up with, you're going to get spoilers for those movies too, just by proxy. Yeah, we'll just call it an MCU spoiler yeah. discussion. This is going to be one of the rare instances where I will tell you, if you have not watched Endgame yet, turn away. That's your warning. But before we do the discussion, we got to get into some news. This is it, Jennifer. Your big breaking TV. What the front time, bitch? Because we're recording this uh, the day after the movie released. Um, it had the largest Thursday night in cinema history. In other news, not related to Avengers, Will Smith has a new movie coming out called Gemini Man. So that trailer was released recently. That's going to be coming out in October. And this is by Ang Lee. And in horror news... The Curse of La Llorona is in the Conjuring franchise. Um, I did not know that up until it released and started getting reviews. And those reviews are pretty middling considering it pulled in a huge box office gross for this small, of a scale movie. The trailer for the new Child's Play, the official yeah. trailer, not a teaser, came out. If you watched the teaser and that was enough for you, which it was for me, I would suggest not watching this theatrical one, because... It shows a lot. The best part of it is you get to hear the new voice. Ooh, buttery smooth. I, I love Mark Hamill. I think he's going to knock this out of the park. Uh, my palate has been wet just enough for me to be like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> but I don't want to watch any more trailers, but I know that, that we'll probably have to keep watching them up to the release for, uh, for your pleasure. All right, cool. So I think that's about it for news this week. Yeah. If there's anything we missed, then please let us know so we can share that next time. Hit us on them socials. Now that that's done, we'll have to jump into that trivia section. Trivia! Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. Movie trivia. Give you a warm-up question. Don't do this, I can't. Okay, here we go. That first category, as always, is going to be monster. In Fright Night from 1985, what is the name of the neighbor Charlie suspects is a vampire? Um, I'm going to say Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Fuck. It is Jerry Dandridge. Uh, in Jeepers Creepers 2001, what character insists on returning to the dilapidated church, Trish, or Derry? Dairy. It is dairy. Alright. Yeah, yeah, a 50-50 there. And you sunk it. <laughs> <laughs> One zip. Here we go with gore and disturbing. 
Which of the following is not a monster in the underground bestiary in Cabin in the Woods from 2012? A zombie, a ninja, a unicorn, or a merman? I want to say ninja. It is a ninja. Woohoo. Tied up, tied up. I love that money. Money. Jesus. I love that movie. I love that money. I love that money. <laughs> bah, bah. Uh, what geometric shape is a recurring motif in The Void from 2016? A square, triangle, or circle? Triangle. Triangle is correct, my dude! And leads mine again. Two for two. Moving on to psychological. Barry, from 2010, is set in what Middle Eastern country? Iraq, Afghanistan, or Syria? Syria? Oh, that was Iraq. Ah, okay. Who directed Mulholland Drive? David Finch? David Lynch. <laughs> You you just combined the two. Yeah, but it is David Lynch. <laughs> I'm going to say that you were headed towards Fincher, so you're wrong. No, you definitely get a point for that. That's Lynch. <laughs> Paranormal. What actress portrayed Renee Lambert in Insidious? Listen, I can see her face, but I, I couldn't tell you who it is. All right, that's going to be Rose Byrne. In session nine... What is protagonist Gordon Fleming and his company hired to remove from the abandoned Danvers State Hospital? A dead body. Something a little easier. <laughs> Asbestos. Ah, well, there you go. Alright, what actor portrayed Reverend Harry Powell in The Night of the Hunter from 1955? Oh, and this is in the killer category. I haven't seen this, so I'm just going to say Vincent Price. It is Robert Mitchum. Who directed Seven? David Lyncher. <laughs> David Fincher. You got the easiest card, my dude. Alright, international. During what war does the Devil's Backbone from 2001 take place? The Korean War? It is the Spanish Civil War. In The Vanishing from 1988, what do Saskia and Rex bury as a symbol of their love? Turkey Wishbone. <laughs> Definitely not. It's two coins. As always, if you enjoyed uh, learning some of that great news or those zany trivia antics, go ahead and give us a subscribe so you don't miss out ever. The moment we've all been waiting for. We're going to talk about Avengers Endgame, just in case you didn't get it before. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is the culmination of 20, 21 plus films up to this point, plus episodes of, of shows. Uh, all kinds of world building, uh, creating characters, finding ways to make them intermingle, and it doesn't disappoint. I'll I'll start off there. I mean, they're gonna we'll we'll break this down beat by beat, but there is so much to enjoy. Not only as just a fan of this franchise, but a fan of Marvel as a whole, and it goes in a completely batshit direction from what I thought it was gonna go. The information you get in the trailer. That all runs out at about minute 50, and you got two hours and ten minutes left after that of just, what the fuck am I watching? And it's great. I love it. Um, I guess you want to just do negatives maybe out the way, or... I mean, we can do some of the negatives. I mean, and for me, they're mega nitpicks. I mean, the first one right off the bat, if you haven't seen, I'd say, 80 to 90% of the MCU, skip this. Wait until you've watched all of them, because there are going to be so many things that are just going to be... This movie does not stand alone at all. You have to have seen the MCU and understand the MCU in order to enjoy this film. Especially Infinity War. It does feel like a part two. 
for me, and I've said it with a lot of this franchise, there was, and not so much as I thought there was going to be, but there was a lot of misplaced comedy for me. To the point where nobody was laughing in the theater even, you know, it was just fell flat. Where it was at the wrong time. Some of it was done a little bit more subtle, like with Tony Stark's lines, you know, he is kind of an ass. And yeah. so when they do it with him, it works. But there was other times I was like, yeah, we get it, we get it. There's, there was one, like, this is the one time I will say I agree with you in at least some aspects. There was one scene in particular, and it's the scene where they, where they find Thanos at the garden. And Thor says, I went for the head. I, I, that is meant to be comedy, and I didn't think it was funny, and I didn't think it was well-placed. I thought that moment was very emotional, and I felt like even him killing him was emotional. I mean, we'll get into how we get to that point. But that moment should have been emotional, and they should have wallowed in it. And I felt like him making a, making a quip, just, it didn't add value. We got a lot of cheers. We didn't get a lot of laughs in, laughs in our theater. I, so, I mean, as kind the, of badass. So, the, the jokes all, for the most part, landed. A lot of people laughed at that. I, I didn't laugh at that one yeah. in particular. But, I mean, a lot of the jokes, I felt like, were well-timed. And they did break up some of that tension in good places. And not after, like, the tension, like, like not in the middle of the tension to prevent you from enjoying it. Um, right. I mean, and, and a lot of it is done well. Uh, you know, there's good stuff. And there's a, one character in particular that is silly throughout. So in Infinity War that was kind of left to Hulk slash Banner and they took him in a different direction which I'm still on the fence about. I like it more than I liked his direction in Infinity War. I, I love it. It's it's like something pulled straight from the comics and I love it. But whose character I thought was just too silly all the time was Thor's. I, I liked the joke at the beginning and it worked with how he was feeling and everything that was going on and this movie is all about repercussions of, of everything that's happened, but throughout the whole thing, they just hinted, or they just made fun of him, and he's it's not a joke. I don't know. I think that they're like, like I said, we'll break it down as we go, you know, practically through the through the whole damn movie. But I feel like they gave him the moments he needed and the emotional the emotional uh, weight that they needed to. But Thor has always been that kind of person who goes to comedy. To correct things. That's how he's been since the very beginning. Even in Thor. Like he would always go to. You know laughing and making a joke. As a way. As like a coping mechanism. Because. I mean for him. I mean he's. I mean, he lives the. Lives the. Uh, the Prince of Asgard. Uh, pretty boy life. But like. The problems that he has to deal with. He deals with a lot of them through comedy. I felt like it was. On brand for the character. But I I do feel like they like I said the moments where he needed to have emotional weight he had it right and and it wasn't always even just him being silly but the way that they put it in the movie like there's shots where toward the end when he and Valkyrie are shaking hands and they like zoom in on his belly it's like we get it he's fat now like I, I mean I mean I felt I felt like a, uh, I was being represented very well <laughs> the, the thick boy life I know there's somebody who was like. Well, a lot of uh, MCU fans are going to have an easier time cosplaying Thor now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, I mean, I didn't want him to end up getting ripped by the end of the movie or anything. Yeah. I was fine with him being fat and dealing with his emotions however he wants to deal with them. I just didn't need it to be a joke throughout the whole thing. 
and he was so silly to the yeah. point where they called him Lebowski, which is funny. Oh yeah, it was, so oh, it was hysterical. Yeah, but I was like, okay, like we get it. I mean, that's like beat the dead horse. But I mean, that's like your opinion, man. You're having a hell of a job. So, I mean, we've talked about the negatives. I mean, unless you have more, I mean, like I said, anything for me was super nitpicky. I mean, not that I can think of off the top of my head. There was... Some of them might come up more organically as we talk about the scenes, too. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff I read that people were saying that they didn't like. There's that big missile, uh, I don't know, when Thanos first gets to Avengers base. Yeah. And he destroys it. And they're like, well, how did Hawkeye survive that? Or how did Rocket survive that? Or how did War Machine survive that? It makes sense for the the, enhanced humans. Yeah. But they're all just regular creatures, I guess. And so they, they, that was some things that people were saying. I was like, ah, I didn't even, didn't cross my mind. Yeah, that, that, like I said, that's something that, like, for me, I mean, you have to suspend a lot of disbelief for anything in the MCU to work. That, I, I, they're, they're not going to just casually off screen, just like, oh, missiles fired and, and now we lost three people. Like, they're going to do it on the battlefield where they deserve it. Yeah. They're not going to make, you know, mistakes made in previous franchises and stuff where people get killed off screen x-men i'm looking at you so let's break it down um we'll start off with the opening scene and i knew they were going to start off somber there's no way that you end infinity war with thanos at the garden and cut to black without starting off with a really somber tone and we didn't get anything about hawkeye we didn't get any Hawkeye information during Infinity War. And if you watched the trailers, you knew Ronan was coming, which is Hawkeye. And it's for a different reason, but I mean, this is a pretty legitimate reason for him to go on like a Punisher-style vigilante killing spree. But the scene is heartbreaking. And you know it's coming. As soon as you see, like, things are super normal, he's teaching his daughter how to shoot a bow, you know what's about to happen. And it's heartbreaking to watch. And I could, like, as soon as I saw him, like, you know, like, with his daughter showing her how to shoot the bow, I, like, I already was like, I'm, I'm crying. What, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> I, I was getting tears in my eyes. And then all of a sudden, he turns to, to yell something at his wife about, about the food, and then looks back and the daughter's gone. And you just see the dust kind of floating away. And then he looks back to try to figure out what's going on, and then everybody's gone. And, I mean, I feel like, of the group... Save for maybe Rocket, he's lost the most. I mean, he's lost his entire family. Everything he's worked to keep secret. Everything he's worked to keep keep safe. And they're gone, and there's nothing he could do about it. And, and it helps set up the rest of that movie, too. Because you get this perspective of people outside of the Supers. I know he's a Super, but in that moment, he's not on the battlefield. So yeah. he has no fucking idea what's going on, why that happened, where they went. So you get to see how everyone felt. And the world being in shambles over the events of Infinity War is prevalent throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And that scene partnered with them going to the garden really sets up the tone of this movie because you know that it's going to be, it's going to be sad. Yeah. This is definitely a sad movie. There were people in there that I went that don't usually cry in movies that were tears oh know? i'm i'm not typically the one that cries through movies and I, like i i knew this was gonna get you though yeah oh <laughs> i mean like i I've, I've been over the last month i've watched every single 
every single MCU movie, and like they've been getting me more now, knowing what happens in Infinity War, and now knowing what happened in this movie. Like, is that there's so much, there are so many emotions riding on this, and they balanced it so well between going, you know, pulling at your heartstrings and then going to the action and then hitting you with a little joke and then going back to pulling your heartstrings. I mean, there are so many scenes that just, they, they're, you know, so masterfully crafted. And the acting performances in this movie are stellar. It's the best in the series, like, by a huge, like, a mile. So then they go to the garden from there, right? Not yet. No. So we cut to, uh... Oh, that's right. See, so we cut to Tony and Nebula. Oh, shit, dude, yeah. So, and then, what this movie did a lot was surprise me. Yeah. And that was part of it, too. <clears throat> and the trailers are very misleading, but in a good way. Yeah. Because you think they're suited enough to go get Tony to go yeah. to space. And that's not the case at all, you know? And then we get to Tony, and it looks like it's going to be over. And then he gets rescued within the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. Fucking not expecting that at all. Yeah. Well, and and I I had a sneaking suspicion it was gonna be Captain Oral that came to came to find him, uh, and I'm guessing that that I'm sure Rocket had some kind of track. It's you know it's Rocket and and, and Star Lord's ship, so I'm sure that he had some kind of like tracking device or knew where it was at that sort of a thing, and the. The fact that it was her that came to save him was pretty pretty predictable when you get to that point, just because she can travel so quickly and she, you know, she is so strong. Um, and I'll say one thing: I was expecting her to be like a Deus Ex Machina, and I'm glad that they didn't put her in that role. Like she helped move the plot along, and she was, you know, an ex- you know, she was another character that we had to deal with taking some screen time, but she didn't take much, and she didn't take anything away from the story. I feel like she did. Do that a little bit toward the end with the ship, right? Because they were like, "What are we gonna do?" And then all of a sudden, she's like, "Oh, I'm back." I, but I, there, I mean, the real threat's on the ground already. I mean, yeah. But either way, um, they get saved. You get some. I mean, you get some poignant moments with with uh, with Tony, and then with Tony and Nebula, them playing uh, uh, paper football. I thought that was I thought that was pretty cute, and just watching Nebula try to deal with like winning at a sport. <laughs> I her not be like on a mission. Yeah, she's never, from what it seems like, from what we know about her, she's never been able to relax. It's always yeah. been about, hey, this is what we're doing. This is our, we're gonna fight and we're gonna go wreck house. And she's just like, oh, I'm just kind of sitting here doing nothing. Well, and you even get to see a little bit of the bond. Like Tony collapses in front of his helmet after he's recorded a message for Pepper, and she like picks him up and she puts him in one of the seats and kind of tucks him in a little bit. And I felt like, like, this is a side of Nebula that we definitely haven't seen. You know, we're used to Nebula, you know, chasing down Gamora, chasing down her own sister to try to kill her. Like, I mean, she's shown that she has the capacity to have emotions, but I think this is the most, the most thorough character building we've gotten for this character. And she ends up being a pretty big part of this movie. Yes. Um, so we get to the garden after the, after we get Tony back. Well... I mean, we have to talk about about Tony's speech, though. Just just laying in to Steve Rogers. I mean... Oh, and, yeah, again. And that sets up more conflict and more emotion for this movie. And it's so intense. And I wanted them to hash it out because they left things at a shitty point in yeah. Civil War. And we don't ever get to see them come together again until this point. So this is the first time they meet since Civil War. And they weren't friends. 
Well, I mean, and and Tony didn't even know if he was going to make the call in Infinity War. He didn't know if he was going to bring bring Steve Rogers in, and you know that decision was made for him. And the fact that they ended up separated, um, like I said, I feel like in a lot of ways, I think that Tony wasn't going about it necessarily one hundred percent the right way. But I feel like his his feelings were warranted. You know, basically saying like, "Oh, you said that if we lost, we were going to do that together," but. But where were you? We weren't together. I was alone. I lost. I lost everything. And being so emotional and, you know, putting everything he had into that speech, I mean, it just takes everything out of you to see him collapse. And they did a great job of making him look gaunt. I mean, like, he looked like he hadn't eaten in, in weeks and just like he didn't have, you know, the strength to keep going. And I, I, I felt like that was very well done. And then from there... We pick up and we go to the garden. Uh, I mean, Nebula provides a little bit of information. Hey, this is where he said he was going, so um, we can go meet him there. And they uh, mention that that on a further out planet, that the stones were used a second time. That the energy signal from the snap was recreated again somewhere else. And we get to the garden, and Thanos is picking, picking fruits and... And just being, you know, living regular old farmer Thanos life. Um, and then when he sits down in his little hut, we finally get to see what's really happened to him. Like, what's taken such a toll on him. And his his face is completely destroyed. His arm is completely destroyed. The gauntlet is completely destroyed. Um, and it's just... Like I said, it's, it's... It's pretty crazy to see, like, like what the repercussions were for what he chose to do. Um, everybody shows up. They get him all cornered up. Captain Marvel takes takes the lead. They get him all cornered up and everything. And he's not really putting a fight back up. He doesn't really care. Um, they go to try to get the gauntlet. They lob it off, of, like take off his entire arm, and the stones are gone. And they have a, a pretty a pretty chilling little back and forth about how Thanos is inevitable, and him destroying the stones, or using the stones to destroy the stones. Um, I felt like that was fairly good, like, like protection for it, and I felt it was a good idea on Thanos' part. Then from there, we get to see Thor's brutality, right? And it's kind of the last thing Thor does before he becomes a lump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we get, we get the, the, like, his last little moment of humanity... Another reason why why Thanos is such a layered character, just seeing him interact with Nebula, just being like, like, thank you, I really appreciate that you that you see me as someone who is virtuous or whatever, you know, someone who wouldn't tell a lie about something like this. And then Thor just gives him the old the old whack. Yeah. And then this Thor is the, the <clears throat> yep. And he said, I mean, he he gives us the line like like they're like, why did you do that? And he was like, you told me to go for the head, so I did. And I didn't. I thought that move, that line wasn't funny. I don't think it really steps too terribly on the scene. Uh, I think the, the scene was still poignant. And then we cut to five years later, and the, like I said, my my expectations were one hundred percent, one thousand percent subverted. I had no idea where this was going. We went to five years later, and I'm like, what the hell? Right, and I was not expecting him to kill Thanos off in the first half hour. Oh yeah. I mean, they killed Thanos off before you see the Avengers title card. <laughs> That's how quickly they take care of it. 
And it's kind of like, shit, now what? Yeah. And they, they, they deliver. When they, when the five years later came up, it was like five years later. And I just kept thinking of Spongebob. Yeah. <laughs> five years later. <laughs> but getting people, like dealing with people actually like trying to live their lives post snap, post disaster. I mean, the world is in shambles. Um, they haven't even cleaned any of it up. Yeah. Cars are still left exactly where they were, you know? People are dealing with trying to just get through their day-to-day lives. Cap's leading, uh, leading like, these, like, support groups. Yeah, they call them, they call them the, the vanished. Yeah. In this. They, I don't think they ever say it by name. But they show it on the, uh, memorials. The memorials in San Francisco. But, um, we also get to, get a glimpse, um, in some of these scenes of, um, where Asgard is set up, basically where um, where Odin uh, passed, they set up new Asgard there, um, and we get to kind of see all of the fallout, and so we get to see how Cap is dealing with it. We get to see how um, how Nat's dealing with it. We get to see um, all of these different people, you know, like just going about their lives again. Uh, we see that Captain Marvel has basically moved on again, that she's, she's keeping in contact with the remaining of, you know, of the Avengers, but she's also out and about doing her own thing, trying to protect other planets, trying to help other people. You know, she's like, just because Earth is dealing with this doesn't mean that everybody else isn't literally dealing with the same thing. So I need it other places. And I thought like, that was on brand for her character. You know, she's not the kind of person who's going to be like, oh, hey, this planet that has like eight of you, doesn't need me, you know, I'm going to go to places that don't have any of you. I, I think this is another thing, like, that if I was really, really digging in for a nitpick, like, really, really digging, um, Scott Lang is saved by a rat. <laughs> Which, like I said, I didn't mind it. Rat comes into the van, uh, triggers the, um, the reactor uh, to get Scott Lang out of the quantum realm, uh, and he comes out, he looks like he hasn't aged a day. It looks exactly like he did um, in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And from there, watching him scramble, just, he doesn't know what's going on. We get a weird cameo from Ken Jeong. Not weird. But no lines. You have Ken Jeong and you don't give him lines. It's a Marvel movie. It's, a, it's, it's in some way, shape, or form, it's a comedy. you got to give Ken Jeong lines. Oh, that's, that's, uh... Power Marvel? Yeah, well, having community characters... Yeah. So we got Abed, and we had the Dean. Yeah. And now we got, I guess, par for the Russo brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still I still would have liked to have gotten a little bit of line. There's probably something in the deleted scenes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's cool. And w- people just seeing him were like, ah! Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody somebody uh, yelled Mr. Chow in our show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... You mean you wanted to see his dick in this one, too? No, I didn't. I mean, did did you actually see his dick in the Hangover? Come on, <laughs> she was a button in a fur coat, <laughs> and then just watching Scott learn about the fallout and yeah. then lose his shit. You know, he stumbles upon uh, this huge monument for the vanished, and then he sees the names and realizes the scale of what's happened, and then you get to see him just freak out. You know, the first thing he thinks of is his daughter. And so he goes 
looking and looking. He's like, he's like, no, 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 not Cassie, not Cassie. And he finds the one with laying on it, but it's him. It's his name. They all thought that he disappeared. And because he didn't, the situation has now changed. And he's not sure what to even think of this. So he goes home and ring, rings the doorbell. And Cassie answers the door, but she's aged. She's, like, in her, like, teen years now. She looks like she's, like, pushing close to an adult. I think, like I said, this is, this is the big crux. This is the setup for how the next hour and 15, hour and 30 of this movie will, will play out. Uh, so I feel like they, they did a, a really good job of setting up the groundwork. And once Lang connects with the rest of the remaining Avengers, he's like, you know, I was, I was gone this whole time in the quantum realm, he's like, he's like, for you it was five years, for me it was five hours. So there's some kind of a disconnect if time works differently that way. What if we were to go into the quantum realm at one time and come out at another time? And this is how it becomes a time travel movie, which another thing that caught me completely off guard. I didn't expect that whatsoever. I thought that there was gonna, it was going to be just some huge battle and they were going to have to get the gauntlet off of Thanos, and, you know, like, it was going to be super cookie-cutter and follow the Marvel formula, and it does not follow the Marvel formula for a nanosecond. Yeah, that, for me, too, I was like, wait, what? And so, that was pretty cool, and it set up a lot of good jokes. Oh, yeah, and, and I love how they just, they, they played it super aloof, they talked about all of the movies that do time travel, and they're like, so those movies were a lie? Like, it was, it, I, I, I love the way that... <laughs> Back to the Future was all bullshit. <laughs> Dude, I was cracking. Oh, man. You can't, can't bet on sporting events. Can't see yourself. <laughs> right, so then they go to Tony for help. And then Tony, uh, we get to see now, is living in a cabin with Pepper and their young daughter. Yeah. Which was great to see. Great mm. to see. And he tells them, no, he's not going to fuck with them. And then they try to figure their own shit out. But they can't. And so then Tony ends up giving in. Yeah, coming to help them out. Which, I mean, you know, some there's going to be some predictability. You knew yeah. that was going to happen. You knew Tony couldn't stay away. We can't have a movie like this without Iron Man to some extent. And especially with how this movie goes, we needed him around. And we needed to, to get our time with him. He's the main character. I mean, I, I, at least just as much as Steve Rogers is. He is the main character of the Avengers. Uh, I mean, he's where it all started. I mean, and obviously he's going to be where a lot of the focus is at. And, uh, like I said, uh, the two of them put in, I think, their best performances of the entire franchise. Uh, getting to see Tony, you know, living a real normal life, you know, at least as much as you can being a, a super genius and uh, also, like, dealing with all of the shit you've had to deal with over the last, you know, Ten years previous, it's just it's ridiculous. Like it's it's so so poignant, and getting him finally getting his like his slice of the normal life, uh, you definitely see Pepper finally coming around, being like, "Hey, like this is your opportunity to help everyone else." Our family wasn't really affected, but not everybody can say that. So I mean, at this point, like you're not going to be able to really sit back until this is done. 
it's going to weigh on you. From there, they go back in various time spaces to get the stones before Thanos ever got them. And then they plan on putting the stones back after they're done. Well, I mean, we, we don't know that until we get to until we get to New York. That they plan on putting the stones back. Right. So, uh, but that will help so that there's not alternate timelines. Or yeah, time variances. Yeah. Which... There will be, and we'll talk about them. They uh, go through this whole planning phase of trying to figure out where stones are at what times. So they find out that there are three stones in New York, and then obviously the other stones are in nearby places in space, and then there's one in Asgard at a specific point in time. So they send out their little groups to go to all the different places. I thought the the coolest part of this was going back to, going back to uh, the big battle in New York from Avengers. And watching them all kind of separate and go places. Um, we got to see Hulk interact with the Ancient One. So we got Tilda Swinton back in the game for a hot minute. And watching their like their like struggle and their argument about him taking the Time Stone was, was very good. And knowing at that point that she knew that the person who would take over her for her was Stephen Strange is pretty ridiculous. That, that character is super OP, but I, I love it. <laughs> um, Everybody fucking comes back for this movie, dude. I was not expecting to see Natalie Portman. Yeah. Or um, Robert Redford. Yeah, that was crazy. too. Yeah. Um, but I would expect him before I would Natalie Portman at yeah, this point. because this is true. Pretty sure she's like, I don't want anything to do with this. And she doesn't really do anything. Yeah. It might have just been footage they had from a previous movie and said, hey, we'll pay you some money if we can use the footage in the movie. And we'll put you in the, your name in the credits. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we got, like I said, a lot of really poignant moments from this. We get Captain fighting Captain uh, over the... Over the scepter, because they think he's Loki. Oh, that and that shit was so good. Oh, America's ass? That was hella funny, yeah, right? Yeah, that was a great joke. And then, uh, but Hell Hydra. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, like, they practically recreated the elevator scene from Winter Soldier. Right. But they did it so well. I, mean, I, I, was, I, I was expecting them to be like, like, so if anybody doesn't want to do this, feel free to get out. Uh, but he, like... Totally went like super spy on him, and I loved that shit. He's just like he's like it's like don't worry, I know what's going on. And just like I was like, oh my god! Especially considering like that shit. Ha- like there is a version of the comics where Captain is a su- uh, like a secret soldier for Hydra, mm. and like I was like that shit was like super fan service for me. I loved it. I think this does a lot of fan service, and I'm not familiar with the comics like you are. But just for people that are familiar with the franchise of the movies, I think that they they do a lot of service to that too. They throw stuff in there like that, yeah. right? So it is a recreation from a previous movie to a point. And if you've spent the time watching all twenty of these movies, then there's stuff in there for you for your effort. Yeah. Right. So that being one of them, and then the next one, when we talked about it in previous episodes. Where he's like, I can do this all day. Yeah. And then the, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then and then just beats his ass and then is like, yeah, that is America's ass. I fucking love it. So good. Uh, but we get we get our moment. We get, like I said, we get the moment that's going to come back and make things happen later down the line. Because when we undo the snap, we don't get everybody who died before the snap. But in one of those moments, they have to go back and they have to get the Space Stone from somewhere else because Loki disappears with it. The Space Stone 
you can use to travel between timelines. So, Loki is out and about, because Loki picks up the Tesseract and disappears. So the Loki from that timeline is somewhere still. But if they go back to the 70s and put the Space Stone back... doesn't matter. Then does that still happen? still happen. Because they didn't put one back in 2012. This was a, like I said, this was a purposefully created paradox. This is the only one that they, that they were for sure going to do. Because... You can't just snap Loki back. That's that's not fair. So they're gonna, you think they're going to bring Loki back? I think they're going to bring Loki back, but I think it's going to be a little different. Because by the time you get to the beginning of Infinity War, Loki has turned over a new leaf. And you know for sure that he has. Um, but I think that because now he wasn't going to be involved in any of that other stuff, I think that we're going to get a different Loki. Or maybe that's how... Because isn't he getting a TV show? I think so, yeah. Maybe that's how they do it. Like yeah. Like, oh, I... Went to a different timeline. This is my new timeline. Yep, just picked up and bounced. Check me out. We also get a really poignant moment in Asgard. I mean, you know, we, we get a little bit of goofy stuff between Rocket and Thor. I mean, you knew you were going to get that. I mean, it's Rocket and Thor. You're going to get that. Um, we get a really poignant moment between Thor and Frigga about subverting, you know, subverting the expectations for you and not, not feeling like you have to be what everyone wants you to be. You have to be who you are. And... I think that that carries on later in the film. There's you know, more discussions of that specific uh, plot thread. And this is, like, so this is one of the moments where you get an emotional payoff for Thor. You get him really reacting to what he's, what he's dealt with, what he's seen, what was caused by, according to him, his inaction or his inability to, to finish the job when he needed to. And I don't think that that's fair for Thor to take on his shoulders. I mean, they were facing a being that they didn't know he, what he was capable of. And that's not on Thor. Thor did his best. Get, watching them kind of get that emotional emotional touch. And then her even saying, like, like, like he tries to warn her that she's going to die that day. And he's like, she's like, she's like I don't care. Don't tell me. Like, like, I, like, things will happen the way they happen for me no matter what. And I felt like that was super poignant. I got a little emotional. Um, I also got a little emotional uh, when they figure out that after they get the scepter and they get the time stone, uh, Lang and Banner go back. Uh, they leave Cap and, and Tony to go back to the 70s where they can go get the space stone and more pin particles. And there, there are some moments in there that, that fucked me up. Uh, the conversation between between uh, Tony and Howard was great. I loved that. Uh, but watching her, watching him, watching uh, Peggy Carter through the through the window. I mean, I like as soon as I saw the like the T E R on the window behind him and knowing where they were at, I was like, "Fuck!" And then I was just like, instantly got emotional. And it sets up early on all that stuff. I mean, we know that Cap has always had this connection with Peggy. Yeah, you know, he loved her throughout being frozen. And then went with her to her deathbed. Yeah. And gave a speech at her funeral. Mm-hmm. And then carries her picture around. So they set up his his want and his desire and his inability to move on throughout his whole franchise. Really, yeah. Especially in this movie. Yes. And uh, so they get the things that they need. Like I said, the moment between him and Tony. Him really learning how much his dad really cared for him. Because he had a pretty tumultuous relationship. Because, I mean... Tony Stark is Tony Stark. He is a big personality, and I'm sure being the parent of that type of a personality is pretty difficult to deal with. Um, but 
just seeing them get to interact without the pretense and getting, you know, having him say, he's not even born yet, but I, you know, I already know I would do anything for him. I'm sure that like that, that something like that was some closure that Tony needed for a really long time. Like I said, I was so engrossed in the movie that I didn't see it coming, but you could tell in these moments that they were wrapping storylines, that they were closing things out for Tony. They were closing things out for Cap. And I, like I said, I, I love the way that they closed those arcs out and we'll get to how they finish, you know, by the end. But I, like I said, I felt like they, the moments were super poignant. They were well-deserved. They didn't get stepped on nearly as hard as some of the other ones did by anything else. They just let them be. And that's what I've been wanting. I love that. Yeah, me too. And, and you can see how much more intense and impactful, impactful those yeah. scenes are without like the silly, the yeah. undercuts. So this part is, is a lot of setup. So we get to see, you know, the beginning is, is what's happened. And then this, this act is, is the setup to what's coming next. And it is pretty slow. Mm-hmm. You know, them going to get the stones isn't super fast paced or anything, but it's not slow while I was ever bored. Yeah. This movie is three hours. And doesn't feel like three hours. No. It flew by. Yeah, the, the end, uh, the the last stone hunting territory, we deal with uh, Nebula and War Machine, and Nebula is, her shit's freaking out because there are two Nebulas in the same timeline now, and so their shit's like cross communicating. I don't know how that works, but we won't pretend to understand space technology. Um, and somehow Thanos gets turned on to what Nebula and War Machine are doing before he ever sets, sets a, a finger on a stone in 2014. Um, and so that was pretty interesting to deal with. Um, they go and they get, they, they knock Star-Lord out and they get the Power Stone before he would have gotten it. And then War Machine takes off with it, but Nebula doesn't get to transport because she has some weird, like, psychic, or not, like, electronic connection between current Nebula and... Uh, so they end up capturing her, and this sets up the whole final act of the movie. Um, but the the scene stealer for this one, though, was uh, Voromir and dealing with with Nat and Cliff uh, having to decide who was going to die in order to get the Soul Stone, and just I mean they both were like I'm you know, I'm ready to sacrifice myself for you, and like just the arguments back and forth, and then. Like, them, like, literally fighting each other to figure out who gets to jump off the cliff. And then when they both jump off at the same time, and then and then uh, Black Widow, thinking quickly, wraps Cliff up in, in, like, a grappling hook kind of thing, and then just basically pushes herself off, just watching, watching the reaction on Jeremy Renner's face. It was perfectly acted. And just watching him lose one more thing that he truly cares about. I mean, like I said, this man has lost everything. And I, the difference between Thanos receiving the Soul Stone and having that purpose and watching Hawkeye receive it and just breaking down and just being like, this isn't, this garbage isn't worth, isn't worth what I paid. And it, like I said, it was just so sad. I was crying the whole time. Like, and like I said, it had a little bit of action, but like, like I said, the tension was just ratcheted up to a million. And it was a hard scene to watch. Right. And I really thought it was going to be Hawkeye that died. I did not think they were going to kill off Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And I was, again, surprised and happy about it. I know. I've been talking about stakes this last month. And this movie pushed them. 
Yeah. Um, what I was a little bit confused about is that he held the stone. Because don't they set up in Guardians that you can't hold the stone? I mean, he has a glove on. I don't know what that's really supposed to do. <laughs> I think there I think there might be a difference between it just being, like, there and then, like, actually, like, fucking... Trying to utilize yeah. the power. Because it's a big deal when Quill is able to hold the stone yeah. and, and use it. So, I don't know. But then one thing I read was people were saying that maybe because he made the sacrifice for Nat, like, the stone yeah. let him hold it, I guess, or something I mean, like that. I mean, they... I mean, there is definite sentience. I mean, you wouldn't have vision without without the sentience of a stone. That's one thing that I was a little bit bummed out that they didn't even touch on. Because we get them trying to save him and pull him out of his body or whatever so that we can see him later on. Mm-hmm. And then they never say whether that was completed or not. He just dies. I mean, I guess, I mean, they wouldn't be able to make that happen now. We may see the culmination of that in the next Black Panther movie that takes place, and which I well, I would enjoy seeing that. Um, but we'll we'll find out what happens to Vision later down the line. But we do get a little bit of, of payoff from that in in the final act. But yeah, so he gets the Soul Stone. We've got all six at this point, and so they all converge back, um, and they deal with the loss of Black Widow. Uh, we're fine. We're back on Earth. We have all six, and then somehow, like I said, this was a this was a definite like convenience thing. But somehow, Tony's nanobot Iron Man glove is able to hold all the stones and be right. used. And that's what I think people were saying. He's got plot protecting armor. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is. They they made it work. Um, Hulk uh, snaps everybody back into existence. Um, From the snap. Yeah. So he just undo undoes the whole action of the snap, and but still five years later, which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, you know that time and all those feelings and everything that happened doesn't go away. So that all still works, and they took a lot of stuff that is weird with time travel movies and kind of, I guess, fixed it. You mm-hmm. know, so they don't actually change anything. The snap still happens. That five year gap is still there. These people just come back after. And so, you know, all that devastation that was caused is still still there. there. Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. They're still going to have to rebuild and they're still going to have to figure it out. And now those people that moved on in the five years' time are going to have to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. My wife's back. (laughs) (laughs) And for them, it hasn't been five years. They vanished and came back. Yeah. Which we learn when Peter comes. But yeah, so from there... um, while they're working out the snap and they're getting everything taken care of, uh, we find, I mean, we knew that Nebula had been replaced by the 2014 Nebula, who's still a villain, and uh, so she uh, opens up a portal uh, to the current timeline for 2014 Thanos and Gamora to come through with Thanos' conquering army. And so they bomb the shit out of the Avengers base, um, that's part of what we were talking about earlier about uh, about everything like everything having to kind of be like you know like speculation kind of thing. Everybody who was just a regular ass person uh, surviving uh, like a practical like uh, mi- nuclear missile strike. Uh, right, and even the Hulk had a hard time dealing with it. Yeah, but Barton was cool. <laughs> I think I think where where he ended up I think was helpful for him. Um, but I think the the Hulk was you know he was 
A, dealing with the repercussions of the snap still, and trying to hold everything up. True. Um, and so you get a little bit of tension as Thanos just comes out with that giant double sword, which is fucking dope, by the way. Just plunks himself down and says, go find my shit, and just hangs out outside. Um, and so this is how your final battle is set up. Everybody's trying to scramble to get pieced back together, and uh, Tony, Thor, and Steve see outside that Thanos is just sitting out there. So while everything is working itself out through the crash, they all hop down, and they uh, they engage. They, they try to kill him before he can kill everybody. I was don't get me wrong. This scene where the three of them fight Thanos is fucking rad. But I was a little bit disappointed that the Hulk wasn't included in that because he is part of the original Avengers. Mm. So, and it almost kind of disregards him as being a part of that team. But it was, you know, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, hey, like, he should be there with you guys as this, like, we're the Avengers battle. Yeah. So I was a little bit disappointed by that. I know he was dealing with some shit, but we don't really get to see too much of that. And I felt like he, he should have been there. And we could have really seen Mark Ruffalo as Hulk <laughs> wreck some house, you know, and get and get his, I guess, revenge beating a little bit, you yeah. know? I would have liked that. Uh, but, I mean, I think that, I think that for, for Banner, I mean, I don't think he really has that desire to fight. He, I mean, he wanted to, to live and coincide with the Hulk so that way the Hulk couldn't destroy things anymore. And I think that, I think that he still had that desire to be passive, and <laughs> yeah, that scene when he goes back to New York, he's like, "Smash!" Yeah, oh my god, it's so <laughs> funny, so funny. One of the best payoffs, just like, "Smash!" and then just fucking throws the motorcycle a little bit, smashes the taxi up a little bit. Uh, anyway, yeah. So this scene though is fucking incredible. Oh my god, such a good fight scene, and it's. It's very small scale compared to what we get right after it. Yeah. Which is also a dope scene. But Oh yeah, the final battle, I mean, what you want in a superhero movie like this is that. Yeah. And and this movie isn't huge the whole time. Scale wise, yeah, they're going all over the galaxy. Yeah. Or the universe. But it's all very intimate. This is a very intimate movie mm. and then this is like, okay, this is still a superhero movie. Yeah. Here's all the smash and grab shit. It sets it up nice because we get to see that Thanos, although stoneless, still has his own stones. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, he got that. He got that big old purple stone. Though. Yeah, because he still wrecks three Avengers. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that double blade is made out of, but it's dope. He's chopping away at at Cap Shield, and it, it's just dope. But I mean, the biggest fan service of the entire franchise. Uh, Thor, Thor is cornered, pinned down. Uh, Iron Man is kind of uh, knocked away, and um, we don't know where Cap is at. Um, he's getting ready to to shove Stormbreaker into Thor and just end him. And you see Mjolnir light up and fly over, knocks Thanos off a little bit, comes back right into Steve Rogers' hands. Okay, I thought it was going to be Captain Marvel, right? Yeah. Because when he did that thing with Stormbreaker. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, it's got to be Captain Marvel. Yeah, but then when they show it in Steve's hand, dude, 
Oh, our, my... The theater blew up. Oh, totally. I mean, just cheers everywhere. I, I, I don't know if I was able to control myself yelling, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, I was, like, full, full on torqued. I fucking loved that shit. Like I said, I've been waiting I've, since fucking Age of Ultron for that shit to fucking come to fruition. And Thor just being like, I knew it. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that Steve didn't pick it up on purpose in Age of Ultron. <laughs> that he, he gave it enough to wiggle it and knew and was just like, okay, I'm done. I don't need to, I, I don't need to go any further. And, oh, man. He was fucking wrecking shit up. And that's, uh, that scene is great because yeah. it's just him using the hammer and his shield simultaneously. He did, like, the cool sonic boom thing with, with Mjolnir and the shield. Oh, that shit was dope. And then just watching Thanos go like this, and then get, get his fucking face knocked in. So good. When that hammer pulled him off, bro. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to pull me off. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, that was rad. And, I mean, they knew that that was, that was for the fans. And, again, that's one of those things where... Sure, it's a fan series, and is that from the comics, or is that just... Yes, yes. Steve Rogers is one of the people who can who can successfully wield it. But, like you were saying, they set it up in Age of Ultron, so it, it's not just like, wait, what the fuck? And it's, again, like, hey, you spent the time watching this, here's the payoff yeah. for being a part of this. Yeah. And, and they do that a lot, and I like that. So, I don't know, I, I guess there are complaints about fan service, but for me... I felt like it was deserved and it was earned. Yeah. A lot of it. Not, not only can you tell... That in most of the situations it was, you know, for the fans, obviously, but it was also showing that the Russos are fans. Like, that they they understand what we want to see. They understand what makes the Marvel movies so great, so accepting. And I just love the way that they pieced all that together. Even though we've got, you know, we've got two people wielding uh, Asgardian tools, um... And uh, Tony with all of his badass gadgets, they're still they still end up getting pretty pretty messed up by Thanos. And then Thanos is like, you know, he lets them in on his on his plan, which is basically like, you guys were ungrateful, you know. So now I'm getting rid of all of you. That was kind of funny because the way that it was shot, Thanos was really close to the camera, and he was just speaking at a normal volume. And then later, when they show like the wide, Captain America's hell far away. <laughs> Like oh, Cap's got good hearing, good along with super strength and everything else. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna destroy you all, and then they cut like to the wide shot, and Cap's like, like you know, a few yards away or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Well, but, and so Thanos breaks out the army. We see um, Ebony Maw, and I don't remember a Corvus Black. Uh, I couldn't tell you all four of like his like four horsemen's name. Creepy fingers. Yeah. Creepy fingers is Ebony. Salad fingers. <laughs> Boom. Um, but yeah, so they all come out with like Chitari and like other crazy like beasts and warriors, and it's looking like like shit's about to go like go south, and then the repercussions of the unsnapping take place, and you hear a little bit of chatter over their little walkie-talkie system, and you can't really make it out, and, and then Rogers asks for a repeat, and then you hear it more more clearly, and King T'Challa shows up with, with an army. You but know, the line that he hears, call back to Winter Soldier. Yeah. Cap on your left, 
Yeah. Right? Because he, yeah. when he's running, he says that to him every time. Well, wait, 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 who, he hear, oh, he, who he hears is Falcon, and then T'Challa right. shows up. Exactly. And... I was like, dude, that's so, that's so cool. That's so funny. Yeah. And that's, like, subtle, you know? And I was like, good. That's, that's good writing. Yeah. Where it wasn't, like, this blatant, like, in-your-face joke. Where it's like, hey, to the left. And again, the fan service. Yeah. But earned and deserved. And... And it wasn't too much. And then, yes, T'Challa comes out. Oh, and then you see... Well, it comes out of a sorcerer portal. And then you see, like, 30 sorcerer portals pop up. And the entire the entire Wakanda army, all of the people who have been in the Marvel movies who were, you know, who were a part of it, uh, all show up out of these different portals and stuff. And you see the, the greatest... The greatest army ever assembled in the MCU come forward, and then just, you get that payoff uh, when Captain says, Avengers assemble. Oh my god! I wanted to fucking die. Could have easily been a super cheesy line. And it was so well but read and so well placed, it worked so well. Because it wasn't like, assemble! Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, Avengers assemble, and you're like, shit, they're about to wreck house. Yeah. Again, another surprise, though, was not expecting to see Pepper. Yeah. Suit it up. Yeah, he, I mean, Tony made her a suit, and so she shows up, and she's, I mean, she's been in the suit before, so she knows how it works, but, I mean, she, like, she really figured it out. Like, she was kicking ass. For a second, I thought she wasn't going to be in the movie. Yeah. Because when they go to his house, and it's just him and his daughter. Yeah. And then, it's like, oh, you know, lunch is served if you want to stay. And they keep mentioning Pepper, but they're showing her, and I was like, dude, really? They're not going to have her be in this one? And then, you know, she is. Yeah. And it shows up later in a suit. I was like, that's fucking tight. Everybody shows up, and it's just an all-out war. I mean, this is even bigger scale than Infinity War was at the end. And just watching them try to get the gauntlet to the quantum portal in order to try to, to get it out of Thanos' reach. And it was like... Watching those old football follies. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lateral. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, whatever. Um, but we get we say we get a ton of payoff. Um, the interaction between Tony and Spider Man when he when he like he comes back while Tony is still kicking. Um, when he comes back, they said that interaction oh, so was just, it was such a good payoff, and just watching him just like. No, shut up. We're hugging now. And like I said, it's such a different place from where we are, where we were at the beginning of Homecoming, where he was like, we're not quite there yet. They're definitely there now. Um, well, and I'm sure Tony was upset about the snap in general, but losing Peter was the hardest thing for him. I mean, he felt like that was on his watch. Like, And I think he feels a father-son connection to him. That we, you know, kind of what we talked about with yeah. Iron Man 3 getting set up where he is this fatherly person, and then with Homecoming and with Infinity War, and yeah, like you were saying, it's it's the culmination of that, and it's such a good payoff, and man. And we'll definitely get to that later. And when he's like, the when they're hugging, thing. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I looked that up, and I was like, well, I'll find that. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> was. 100%. I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that's what I thought, and then yeah. I was like, I gotta double check. Anyway, and then... Peter's like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Our Peter was really loud, so I don't think a lot of people heard it, but I was, yeah, he's like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. I think that people are, maybe will downplay the battle scene because it is so disjointed, so there's so much stuff going on in one area that you don't get to see what's happening in another area, 
So there's points where you're like so focused on one character or a couple of people in a group that you have no idea what's going on with anybody else. There's too much to keep up Way with. Way too much. I, I mean, that would have been another 45 minutes to the movie if they would try to like yeah. give everybody their time in the spotlight. I think that the characters that weren't already getting the spotlight before got got enough, you know, enough to, you know, justify it. I think the Russos did the best they could. Yes. I don't think that much, if anything, could have made this movie better. Yeah. So maybe toning down the Thor's fat jokes. But other, <laughs> but other than that, I think that they, I mean, I think they knocked it out of the park. Massive and it's huge. We've got fucking Ant-Man destroying Jatari, like, like, like the weird worm whale rider things. Just destroying them. <laughs> yeah. That shit's dope. We got cheers for that. People yeah. really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he steps it up. And, and that's a cool thing, too, because all these movies have different dynamics to them. Ant-Man has the massive scale and also has the small scale. And they don't shy away from doing Ant-Man things in this movie. Yeah. So we get to see him ride the pencil. And we get to see him, you know, punch a, fi- a, what, a worm whale. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so that was really cool. And we get to see him in Wasp do their duo stuff. Yeah. So that was, that was tight too. And, I mean, everybody gets a little bit of them doing different things. And I, there was this scene, and I've heard different things, where all the female supers kind of are in one spot all of a sudden. Yeah. And then, like, she's got help. And I know some people really like that, but then I was reading, and someone's wife was like, oh, that's the wrong kind of feminism. And they, they disliked it. They said that it wasn't good. I don't agree. I think that it, I think that it was dope. I think that it shows that some of the you know, like some of the strongest characters in this universe are women. Um, I don't know how exactly it all, it all managed to perfectly align, where all of them were in the same place at the same right. time. But it's forced. But, they, but I can I can I can like you know put my expectations aside and just enjoy. That there's this huge group of women for little girls to look up to. And all for different reasons. Not just because they're all out there fighting, but because they all are different characters who have different strong qualities that you know, people can look up to. And I thought that was dope. So, I mean, I could see why people might think it was a little forced and a little, a little, a little hammy. Right. But I still loved it. And I hope that we get like a, like a, like a ladies Avengers kind of deal. Like, that'd be dope. Like a Femme Avengers? <laughs> we get the, the weird, like, ragtag, like, uh, relay race with, with the, with the, uh, the Iron Gauntlet. <laughs> and, uh, you think it's all gonna go great? Uh, Captain Marvel's got it, and then shit hits the fan, and... She gets wrecked a little bit, and yeah. I liked seeing that, that she wasn't an unstoppable force. And Thanos was able to take her out of it. But what I liked it, what I liked about it is that they gave us a clear marker. They gave us exactly how powerful she is. Because he gets the gauntlet, he puts it on, and she goes full cap and tries to stop him. Is holding his fingers back so he can't, like, ball up or try to do anything. And then he goes to headbutt her. And it's just a strict hit. You know, him using his actual power. He goes to headbutt her and just goes, tink! And she just looks at him. You know, like, like one-on-one... Uh, Carol Danvers has this in the bag. And then he yanks the stone off, and then, you know... Which is brilliant. Yeah. On, on Thanos' part. Super smart, you know? And that's one thing I did hear complaints about in this movie, was that Thanos is very 
absent. Mm-hmm. And and then I started thinking about that too. And this movie doesn't really have a villain. Like sure, Thanos is there, but he's very much in the background. And the movie isn't really about that. It's a different kind of superhero movie. And Marvel has stuck to this formula where there's a straight villain. This yeah. is the villain. We're trying to stop this villain. And this movie just doesn't have that. No, at least not for the first two thirds. Right, and it's only toward the end that Thanos really shows up, and he's not as intense, I guess, as he is in Infinity War, but he still is a powerhouse to yeah. deal with. And and it's it's just a different kind of film, you know? And I love that. I love that, like, hey, let's do something slightly different. Yeah. And, and it worked. Uh, one scene that we didn't mention from earlier in the battle uh, that's important for the last little bit, that scene where... Where Strange shows up and Tony is like, like that one that one scenario where we win is this it? And he's like, he's like, if I told you, it wouldn't happen. And I felt like that was super poignant, especially knowing what happens after that, uh, because after Carol gets knocked out, he looks over at Strange and Strange just does this, holds up a one, so Tony goes over, grabs the glove the same way. And he gets shoved off to the side after the... So he puts the Power Stone back in there. And then Tony goes to grab the glove to stop him from snapping. And then he gets knocked off to the side. And then he goes to snap. You see him turn the wrist. He snaps. And then nothing happens. And then he turns the wrist over and all the stones are gone. Tony's got him. And then he's... the Like the I am inevitable. No. I am Iron Man. That shit was dope. A little cheesy. A little che- I don't give a shit. <laughs> that shit was incredible. Then you just start to see all of Thanos' army just disappear. I thought... Th- I didn't know if Thanos was, was going to go. But from what I've... From what we've seen in previous things, the really strong characters, the, you know, the characters that are, you know, very, like, advanced, like, composition body-wise, take longer to go away. So, like, if you look at... Um, if you look at Spider-Man, Spider-Man took longer to go. Uh, Star Lord took a little longer to go because he's uh, he's half uh, celestial or whatever, um, and just uh, watching as he disintegrates, you're like, yeah, great, yeah, we're cheering that Thanos is gone and you know, that we don't have to deal with him anymore, and then you have to deal with the repercussions. And God, is this fucking scene heart wrenching? I yeah, I was sitting up, I couldn't lean back, dude. I thought, up until this point, obviously, that Cap was going to be the one to go. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it throughout these last few episodes, that I wanted at least one of the two yeah. to die. And I wanted Cap. When he gets his shield all broken in, I was like, okay, here it comes. He's going to yeah. get stabbed with his double blade, right? And then it, you know, it progresses to this point. And then to watch that be Tony. Yeah. Well, and like I said, we've said it since the very beginning. Like, it started with him. He has the biggest character arc of any character in the MCU. And I think that part of the reason why Strange doesn't tell him, hey, you're going to have to be the one that does this, is so that way he can't second think it. Because if Tony acts on his instincts, he's going to do what he can to save the world. That's just, that's what Tony does. When he's back into a corner, he does some fucking dope shit to make sure that everything goes right for the heroes. And that, that's what he does. He puts his life on the line and he sacrifices himself to do it. And just watching the shoe on the other foot, watching Peter Parker break down about it. Gosh, fucking, I'm, get, I'm getting teary-eyed right now thinking about it. And just watching as 
as Pepper is like, you've done it. Like, you can rest now. They didn't undercut it. Yeah. You know, they let you feel it. And mm-hmm. I was really proud that they did that, I guess, and ha- happy and pleased that they were like, hey, this is a big fucking deal. Let's let Tony get his time. Yeah. And man, I mean, our theater was silent. Yeah. And upset. And it's deserved. It doesn't feel out of place. You know, it feels like it was coming. And then we get his funeral. Which is also sad. Just the proof that Tony Stark has a heart floating off into the into the river. And you get all you get all of this payout. You get all of these characters who are out there supporting him. Everybody. Like I said, you get the kid from Iron Man 3. Like, fuck. Wrecked my shit. Yeah, I saw him and I was like, was that right now this kid? And then I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's that that kid. Yeah. And so I looked it up, and yeah, sure enough, same actor and everything. Mm. It's like, damn, dude, good for them. Yeah. But man. And then, you know, it does get a little bit more lighthearted when Hap's talking to Tony's daughter. Yeah, but I mean, you, but, it also shows that, like, right. she's going to be cared for. And I, I love Happy as a character. And it's also, it's also the person who started the franchise, getting getting his little place in the sun. And it's it's an ease in. It's not yeah. super intense, super sad, and then crazy funny joke. Yeah. It's very subtle and well written and it's a nice, again, smaller human interaction. Mm. It's like, what do you want? You said cheeseburgers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck those kids all grow some cheeseburgers right now. Yeah. <laughs> she was great. Yeah. Um Yeah. And yeah, I love that scene between them two. And I think it calls back to a lot of the scenes that we liked with Captain Marvel. Yeah. Where there were these intimate just conversations. Mm-hmm. And that really worked for me in this too, between between more is it Morgan Morgan? And happy and happy. Uh, everyone's kind of back in their place doing their thing. Ant Man's with Wasp and his daughter. Yeah. And they're hanging out in San Francisco. And T'Challa's doing his thing. Yeah. And everyone's kind of split off, and, and we get to see another intimate moment with Wanda and Barton about the people that they've had to lose. Yeah. You know? And then we get to see Barton reunited with his family. Oh, that was, that was good. But yeah, which was great. And then, but you know, before the movie ends, we see Captain going to return the stones. Yeah, so he goes, he, go, he takes Mjolnir and the stones in a briefcase, and the Hulk, um, the Hulk, Falcon, and... Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier uh, sent him off on his way. They're like, oh, you know, I can come with you or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm, no, I'm going to do this on my own. And as soon as they as soon as they set him up on it and they go to flick the switch and they're like, all right, it'll be back. It'll it'll be this amount of time for you, but it'll feel like five seconds for us. I, I knew that that's not how it was going to go down. Yeah, I saw a complaint about this because he doesn't show up back in the machine. He shows up elsewhere. Mm. I was like, yeah, who gives a shit? It made for a great scene. I mean, we had talked about him handing down the mantle, mm. and I think both of us more or less thought it was going to be to Bucky. Yeah, I I wanted it to be Bucky, but I know that both Bucky and Sam have have uh, taken on the mantle of Captain America in the comics. So I knew it was going to go to one or the other. Um, but I mean, they're supposed to have a show together, so we'll see how all that turns out. Seeing Steve old... I won. I thought Chris Evans did a great job. Yeah. I thought he acted that scene very well. I like that they kept it, again, another intimate moment just between two people. Yeah. So Bucky was like, you go ahead. 
he talked to him, and then he and Falcon are just talking. Yeah. You know, and he's like, you want to tell me about what happened? He's like, I don't think I do, man. Yeah, he's like, he's like I went to go uh, live my life, and he finally got to, you know, that line at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, that line at the very end before it cuts to black, but I had a date. He got to finally go back and get that date. And getting to see him live his life with Peggy Carter was just incredible. It's, like I said, both of the characters that we lose in this, the ones we lose for sure, you know, uh, between Tony and Steve, I think their payoffs and their arcs were flawless. They couldn't have been done better. No, and I don't think anybody could take those mantles up like yeah. they have. Like, I'm, I'm glad that it's not a new Captain America. It's Falcon as Captain America. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... Well, and we get... Uh, I don't know... I don't remember what she's called in the comics when she dons the suit, but we get Pepper Potts as Iron Man. Right. Yeah, I don't... I, I wonder if they'll do that. But him giving him... Sorry, Captain giving Falcon the shield was, was great. Yeah. Uh, here you go. Try it on. And then, and then, like the like the, it feels like it's somebody else's. He's like, he's like, well, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved everything about that scene. Man, that was good. Yeah. And then that's how the movie ends. We see Cap dancing with Peggy. Oh yeah. And it's, it's sweet. Mm. Someone I was reading said that it seemed out of character because, and maybe you can help make sense of it. So he goes back to return the stone, but then lives his life with. Peggy in the 70s, but wouldn't that change the timeline then? Because she's married and has kids, and eventually he doesn't go back to the 70s. He still has the ability to go wherever he needs to go. Because he has to go to multiple places to take the stones back. So he can go wherever he wants. They didn't set him up with like a limited amount or finite amount of pin particles. They said, they hooked him up and they said, alright, you gotta go here, here, and here to re-deliver all this stuff. So, Do I don't think, think he, I think he went back to the date that he missed. I think that he went back to when, when it was. In but then doesn't that still change his timeline? Because then she never marries whoever she was supposed to marry. She never has that granddaughter who he kept, makes out with. Mm. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, it falls on the paradox that they were trying to avoid the entire time. I think at this point, I think Cap's earned being able to shuck that. There may be things that we end up getting... Because of that, like I said, I think that there are, there are a couple of little time paradoxes we're going to have to deal with. This is the biggest one being Loki. Uh, but I think that there isn't enough in that, in that, in him going back and getting to, getting to live the life that was taken from him. I don't think that there's enough in there for him to not do it. Because at this point, he's given everything. He's given, he's given his entire life, you know, an entire lifetime's worth of life to protecting the universe and I think that him being able to go back and say alright it's my turn to live, live my life now I think that that's fair yeah I mean I wasn't thrown off by it at all but that, I just was reading about it I think that uh, I, mean, I mean I think a case could be made that maybe he held on to that last stone lived in this branch alternate timeline and then went back put the stone where it needed to be originally which would then erase all he did getting rid of that branch timeline and then came back. So maybe he had one last old man mission. 
Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't think that we'll ever find out. I think that that stuff's, you know, that's, that's, for, that's for the Russos to, to let the fans speculate about. Um, but as far as what you were saying about, like, somebody complaining about, like, him not showing back up in the portal but over on the bench, he didn't show up on the bench. He went to the bench on the day that that, that all happened. He knew the date. He went there with a purpose. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't that he, he came back to that time frame. He lived to that time frame. Mm, yeah. That makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, not how I was expecting that movie to end. With a young captain in the 70s dancing with Peggy Carter. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. Or, no, I guess you're right. I don't think it was the 70s because didn't they have older cars? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. It was, the, it was back, in the, back in the 40s. That's crazy, man. Hell of an ending. Yeah. A part of me wishes that this was the end of everything. Because it was so... It was a good cap. Yeah. It capped it off. It's everything that we've been building towards for ten years. Yeah. And it was it was kind of beautiful. Yeah. To see them set out to do something this grand and complete it so well. If there wasn't another Marvel movie, I honestly, I think I'd be fine. Because it would... It was great, and yeah. I don't know if they're able, if they're going to be able to, to top that idea in general. I think the big thing for me is that that we got a beautiful and poignant story for the core Avengers, and I don't think I think that there are other stories out there that still need to be told. I, I mean, we barely scratched the surface of Peter Parker. Um, we've barely touched on the Guardians. I mean, they're only getting one more though. But as as it currently stands. I imagine that there will be leftovers that will probably have other stuff to do. They'll probably get their own standalone movies or be part of other groups. I mean, I'm interested to see what they do, what big thing they do next. Because Spider-Man's big, Guardians are big, that's all fine. Black Panther's big, like, but the next time they cross something over, what they do, who they put at the helm, who they decide can take care of this, and what storyline they go with. Because there's a lot they can choose from. There's a shit ton of source material. Now they have Fox. Yeah, which means that at some point in time, I don't know how they'll do it or if they even will, but the likelihood is that they're going to fold the X-Men in somehow. And I don't know how they plan on doing it. If they're going to retcon some shit and make the current X-Men exist in this universe, which I don't like the idea of, um, I would rather see them wipe this lake. I think they're going to have to, because it, it's got to be its own thing. Maybe, you know, all these superhero people are popping up, and it somehow mutates the gene. Yeah. And now kids are being born as X-Men. Mm. But who knows? I think that that'll probably be one of the next big ones, is X-Men either versus or meets the Avengers. Yeah. So I'm guessing Thor's going to be the new Guardians, huh? I guess we'll see. <laughs> and it looks like their next mission is going to be trying to find Gamora. So, so, but, she's dead. But 2014 Gamora is alive. But we, well, we don't know that. Yes, she is. 100% she's still alive. How? Because she was, because at that point she was on their side. She was fighting for that. But would Tony have known that when he snapped? Yeah. I don't think he would have killed Gamora on purpose. Because he wasn't, he didn't have any action. He just snapped Thanos' arm. He doesn't even know that she's there. But I, I think at that point, I think that, like I said, the distinction could be made. I don't know. I like the idea of her being dead. I, I doubt she is. But it's, it's once again, it's the same situation as it with Loki. It's not the same 
Gamora you had previously. So, like, that lovey-dovey relationship with Star-Lord, I don't think that's there. I think that that's something we're going to have to come to grips with in the next movie. But we'll see how it turns out. Um, I knew knew that that we were going to get a lot of people back. The way that they went about it, I think that they did a really solid job. Like I said, with the creating the little ripples and time paradoxes, you know, like I said, that, that will potentially have Loki and Gamora back in the fold somehow. Um, I like those. They were done in a way that doesn't feel super forced or over the top or even super finite, like it's a for sure thing. Um, but there is roots and groundwork laid out if those things do come to fruition. Um, the reverse snap, I felt like it was done properly. Um, and now it's like I'm really excited to see what happens next. Yeah, agreed. I hope that they are able to do something as powerful as they've done with this this line. Yeah. yeah. Should we shield it? Let's shield it. Uh, for me, this is a solid 10 out of 5 shields. <laughs> this movie was fucking incredible. I loved every minute of it. Like I said, it, the little things that I even, even felt like I would maybe could potentially complain about were super tiny baby nitpicks. And I love this movie. It's, a, I mean, realistically, it is a five out of five shields. I loved it. Yeah, I'm gonna go five too. And I know I'm usually the one that's a little bit harsher. Yeah. On these movies, but and I don't know if it was the, the camaraderie I was telling you about, or if it was just a good movie. I really want to see it again to mm-hmm. get a better feel for it. But it's the officially. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's the emotional payoffs. It's the and it was. It's the the ending of. Two of the greatest stories of our generation, you know, between Steve Rogers and, and Tony Stark, and them not pulling punches. Like, they brought back so much of the universe, but they took two of the biggest pieces. And now we have to deal with life without them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, to see what that means for characters like Nick Fury and Hawkeye, who are these pieces of other franchises. Yeah. Like, they're... We get we lose a lot of that too. So we're losing anyone that's related to Iron Man now. So there goes Pepper. There goes the daughter. There goes Happy. I I see. I don't think so. Could be. I I mean Happy may have a Spider Man cameo. I yeah. think at the very at the very most. I think that Fury might be involved with Spider Man too. Oh, you're right. He is in the trailer. So it's going to be interesting to see like the ripple effects. Yes. Of losing a couple of the big two. All right, well, I think that's it. I mean, five out of five from both of us. It's yeah. pretty good. Go see this movie if you've seen all the other MCU movies. And if you are waiting for him to say that just now, then you're a little bit late. Yeah. <laughs> um, go see it again. Yeah. I'm going to. Um, Shit, let's I'll, go right now. See, I'll, I'll bring fucking <laughs> tissues this time because fuck. Tissues, happy tissues or sad tissues? <laughs> a little sad <laughs> tissues or happy tissues. Next week, we're going to do something... Very, very different, not only from April Avengers, but something that we haven't done yet on the show. We're going to do a dive into a specific serial killer. Yeah. I will not give away who it's going to be, save that for a little surprise, but we're going to talk about a little bit of their history, some of the crimes committed, and then it's the influence that they've had on film, specifically, yes. obviously, horror. Yeah, I mean, because that, like, that's the biggest draw, is that, like, we wouldn't dabble into this territory without having a connection back to popular culture. So, I mean, we'll we'll show 
you know, we'll bring examples, we'll talk about how we feel about what's been created because of these terrible, heinous acts. Um, because there's a lot. This is a lot to dive into, a lot to discuss. I'm really excited. Like I said, this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Yeah, and uh, true crime stuff is so hot right now, so. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> can't complain, can't complain. <laughs> and if you want to check us out in other media, then you can visit us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's going to be at Porcelain Peak for all of those. Yeah. If you want to see John's full review for this movie, you can go ahead and check out... It's spoiler-free review, so it's going to be... It's a little... It's a little less in-depth than what you're getting here, but... <laughs> yes, so then you can check out that review on YouTube at the Entertainment Vortex. And if there's something we missed, or if you want to send us additional comments, please reach out. We would love to hear from anybody and everybody. So you can shoot us an email. That's at porcelainpeak at gmail.com, or again, on any of the social media. And we have the website, too, porcelainpeak.com, where you can leave comments, too, and reach out to us there. We, like I said, we'd love to hear from you. So, that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you enjoyed this movie as much as we did. Keep it creepy. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.